Welcome to another episode of the Rest and Recovery Podcast. In this episode, I have round two with Dr. Eric Fate, and we dig further into hormone therapies, specifically for men's health, and around prostate and the never talked about or rarely talked about ED or erectile dysfunction and the things that are associated with it. And it all boils down to blood flow at the end of the day. Uh, and can also be an indication that there are other health concerns. So as embarrassing as the conversation may be for most of us men, it is an important thing to focus on, not just for the positive benefits, I'll say, to our relationships, but also the underlying conditions that might be contributing to this. So take a listen, take notes, and please share far and wide with the men in your life. So, uh, Remember, be rested, be well. All right, well, uh, Dr. Eric, welcome back to the Restroom Recovery Podcast. Uh, second of time offender, so welcome. <laughs> good to be a fe- good to be an offender. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. You're always a gracious host, and it's always a lot of fun. So I'm glad to be back. Yeah. So the first time we covered kind of a broad topic on fitness, um, and you know specifically towards men. And we had talked about kind of taking it maybe the next layer down or cover a few things more specifically. And, you know, when we're talking about men's health, prostate kind of comes to mind. And we finished the dialogue on uncomfortable conversations <laughs> and yeah. basically around things that, you know, we just need to put out in the light and just talk about it so that we can uncover things and we don't need to live a less fulfilled life really in that sure. almost category. And so like, ED category. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Men are notoriously bad at um, expressing themselves or uh, getting help when there's an issue. I mean, fortunately with ED, most men will come in because that's, you know, they're, they could be, you know, overweight and they're, you have all these health issues, but until they, they're having problems with sex, they won't come in. That's a big issue to them, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but even then there's a lot of guys that are embarrassed, you know, it's, they won't come in or their spouses bring them in for hormonal issues or weight issues or whatever. I mean, it's like that in the preventive health. And I saw it all the time when I was an ER doctor. I mean, you know, the guys got, especially, you know, where I was in kind of in the rural area and the, you know, the hardworking blue collar guys and farmers, they would be dying. They'd have to be dying to, for their wives to finally drag them in. And right. Or some mask them, you know, what's wrong? Anything hurt? No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I look at his wife. He's like, Oh, he was complaining about crushing pain and, da, 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 da. and, he's, and he didn't say a word. You know, it's like, so that's, <laughs> this is a common issue. And, and you're right. Men need to be able to, be willing to talk. Women will talk all day about what's wrong. They'll, they'll share and get in groups and yep. And men need to be open about it for sure. Yeah. And there's that tension between, you know, grin and bear it, but then there's also like, you know, you, you know, when you need to just step up and step into a doctor's office of some sort to, for sure. uh, to address it. Absolutely. So kind of to that point, what are some of the things, you know, based on my reading between prostate health and ED, there, there's obviously correlation, same general area. Sure. <laughs> um, maybe we start with, that aspect of what are the things that can kind of lead toward that or those leading indicators? Yeah, sure. So I think with um, erectile dysfunction or ED, um, as we were just talking about, it's, it's a common issue. And obviously a lot of guys will think of it, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, I can't have sex. I can't get it up or whatever. Um, and that gets them in the door, which is good because it's kind of like getting an eye exam, right? It's kind of like a window into your soul or window into your the inner workings of your body. It's, it's like the canary in the coal mine, I guess, all these analogies, but Right. You know, because typically it all comes down to blood flow. And with, with, with patients, 
Uh, it's all about, as we all know about nowadays, we're learning more about um, metabolic diseases and the problems with chronic inflammation and oxidative stress and wear and tear in our bodies because we're a stressed out society. We're exposed to all these toxins, et cetera, et cetera. So inflammation is huge. And of course, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of men and women. And oftentimes if guys have issues with blood flow down there, he's probably having issues in blood flow elsewhere, meaning his heart, his brain, you know, his, his kidneys everywhere else. You could be, you know, if you look at him, if you actually take the time, they probably have slightly elevated blood pressure. They may have some uh, elevated markers on their, on their blood work, which indicates a pre-diabetic state, um, or they're showing some, they're overweight. They're showing signs of, of visceral fat accumulation, which obviously portends that they may have, you know, uh, some atherosclerosis, which of course, all these things can lead to metabolic syndrome and cardiovascular disease. So I always explain, it's kind of like a plumbing system, right? The heart's yeah. a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of pipes and tubes it goes out to all your organs and fingers and or everything. And as they get further away, they get smaller and smaller. When you get to your fingers and your penis and everything else, they're pretty darn small. So right. it doesn't take much to block them. So if it's getting blocked off, again, that's a sign. It's an early warning indicator, kind of like they're your engine, car engine lights going off. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's, it's obviously I want to get them performing, but I want to get them healthy too. I want to screen them for all these other issues. And when I bring all these things up, they're like, Oh yeah, well, you know, prostate, um, not usually as vocal of a thing, meaning it doesn't often become symptomatic per se. A lot of guys, if you ask them, they'll say, Oh yeah, I'm having, I'm going to the bathroom a bunch of times in the night or I'm dribbling or can't get a good stream. But to them, you're like, eh, no big deal. Um, but once again, if you, you ask those probing questions, you can dig a little deeper. Maybe they're, it's, it's happening more than they think, or maybe it is affecting their urination or their directions and things like that. And again, it's, it's kind of that early warning, you know, because you got to think about serious things like prostate cancer and, and things like that. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so those are kind of like the, basically my war- early warning lights to kind of get a good, get my, gives me an excuse to get in front of them and, and present all these issues and, and really be more of a preventive proactive approach to them. Yeah. And it, although it's getting noticed, you know, we were joking before we started, I, I've grown a beard at the moment and November's almost upon us, like no shave November and it's kind of men's health um, focused, but prostate seems like it's just kind of glossed over in many ways. Even when it comes to cancer, a lot of times it's like, Oh, it's not a big deal for whatever reason. At least that's, that's my interpretation. Yeah, it, it, you're right. And it, cause a lot of other things get a lot more press, right? And when we were talking earlier about men and women being vocal, well, women are very vocal. You, everybody knows the pink ribbon, right? Everybody hears about breast cancer and other cancers, but with prostate cancer is kind of like the, 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 the ugly stepchild, right? It's like, nobody really gives it its fair shake, but unfortunately it is very common. You yeah. know, most guys, if they live long enough, they probably will get it at some point because it's, you know, one in three, one in five men, uh, somewhere in that range where it's, it's a very common malignancy. Fortunately, it's usually if caught early, it could be treated. Um, it's a, more of a slow grower, but sometimes it can be pretty quick, but um, yeah, it's often forgotten about. And I don't, you know, who knows that just because, you know, guys just don't talk about it, they kind of keep it hush us versus everyone else who's vocal about everything else. That's a possibility, but you're right. It's, it's, it's actually more common than what people think and highly preventable too. So it's so with, with prostate. So is there any correlation between some of the things related to like uh, lower testosterone levels? Um, is there a connection point there? Actually, there is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, most people think of like, obviously guys have to get their retinal prostate exams, you know, once a year, once they hit a certain age and kind of get a feel, literally a physician has to feel and see if it's enlarged, or there's nodules or anything, but it's just more of a, a rough screen. And of course, everybody knows about getting labyrinth, like what's the PSA is the common one. Um, prost- you know, and that's the, usually the first indicator that's going to rise, but again, it's not always super specific or sensitive meaning that it can be high and it could be a totally normal exam or it might be normal and they could still be harboring a cancer, but it's still a, it, it, overall decent screening, screening tests. 
It's really all we have. Um, but as you mentioned with testosterone, yes, uh, studies now have indicated that the lower your testosterone level, the higher the incidence of, of having, um, if you have cancer, it's going to be more aggressive and uh, a worse stage when it's picked up. So the, the original, you know, decades ago it was thought that, oh my gosh, you know, uh, guys have prostate cancer, oh, we got to drop your testosterone. They would, they would basically medically castrate these men to drop their testosterone to zero. And yeah, it would help, wow. but, but not for the reasons that what's thought of it, it gets a little complicated, but uh, the bottom line is once it gets, it, it it's really low. Like typically you know, we're talking in the two hundreds, once it gets above two hundreds, if your testosterone is above, it doesn't matter. It's not going to affect the, that cancer growth, even if you have it. But what they've done since then, they've done hundreds of, you know, dozens and dozens of studies since then showing that, Actually, it's the flip side. The, the lower your testosterone, the worse your prognosis is if you have it, and probably the more, the less likely you're going to have it. If you're, meaning if your testosterone is higher, the less of a chance you're going to have it. And if you have it, it's going to be less aggressive. So okay. it's actually, I don't want to say it's protective, but it's definitely in your favor to have a higher testosterone levels. Lower testosterone levels have clearly been associated with worse prostate uh, cancer uh, score and ag- higher aggressiveness, as well as other issues, of course, like we talked about before in terms of you know, prediabetes, insulin resistance, inflammation, uh, cardiovascular disease, testosterone is shown to be inversely related to all these. So in other words, the higher your testosterone, the lower your risk of cardiovascular disease, of osteoporosis, prostate cancer, early death, all these things. And and when they've done intervention studies, here's a guy with this, here's a guy when we give him testosterone, when you compare them head to head, it's it's, it's a no brainer, but there's still that old stigma out there that, oh, testosterone causes prostate cancer, but it, it, it does not. So when it comes to, so it's an inverse relationship is what you're saying. Like, so Correct. Like you said, you want, you want a higher T level than. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You want it to be higher for sure. Uh, having it lower is not going to benefit you at all. You know, some people will say, Oh yeah, look at, you know, teenagers, right. They have the higher, high, super high testosterone levels for, you know, 10, 10, 20 years and they don't have any prostate cancer. Right. Uh, if it was, if it was all from testosterone, all these teenagers would be having prostate cancer. Of course it's, it's more than that. It's, it's inflammation. It's all these, you know, us getting older, all these, it's not just hormone levels, but it, it, in, in a way, it does make sense when they make that argument. But again, then when they studied head to head, they've shown it to be not the case. You know, the guys with the lower testosterone levels have um, not only technically more cancer, but when they, they do get it caught, it's more aggressive for sure. Okay. So you talked about, you know, a couple of different things. And I think we touched on last time too, but I've heard the term, you know, metabolic dysfunction a lot right. lately. And it seems to be like, I will say newer, but a newer conversation piece around wellness. Yeah. And you mentioned it as it relates to the prostate. So, so maybe unpack that metabolic syndrome just real quick to, to kind of draw on that. Yeah, sure. I mean, metabolic abnormalities and what they call classically the metabolic syndrome. It's one of the, the bigger problems in say society between that and insulin resistance. You know, unfortunately, uh, what is it? I forget the statistics, but it's, you know, almost half or more than half the population is either insulin resistant or pre-diabetic or both uh, when you lump them all together, which is a staggering number. Uh, but metabolic syndrome is when patient, you know, people have an insulin resistance, typically elevated blood pressure, you know, uh, triglycerides are elevated and their HDL is low, you know, and then they have um, often they're, they're obese, typically, not always. But usually, basically, it's a dyslipidemia, meaning that your cholesterol markers are the opposite of where you need them to be. Your HDL is low, your triglycerides are high, et cetera. You know, your insulin resistance, so you're on the track to becoming pre-diabetic. Your blood pressure tends to be elevated. And oftentimes, there's some visceral fat accumulation. And all these things basically portend uh, that's once again, that group is called the metabolic syndrome, because those are the people that unfortunately go on to get diabetes and to get true hypertension or high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis. And like we talked about earlier, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of men and women. So you're on that fast track to getting that. And 
uh, that metabolic syndrome, syndrome is part of it. And inflammation plays a huge role in all those disease processes. But um, that's that's the metabolic issue that we're dealing with here. And it seems like, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's blood related, right? It's the kind of, it seems like it's the health of the blood that's flowing through your system or not flowing to get to the key areas to give it the the energy and the, and the nutrients it needs. Yeah. Well, yeah. Blood flow is crucial for sure. But even, even more than that, it's, it really comes down to the cell. You know, I'm really, you know, myself and a lot of my colleagues are really focused on treating health. And that's why I named my thing, you know, Primax Cellular Nutrition and Fitness, because I'm trying to focus on treating the cell. Because if all these diseases, everything starts somewhere, right? You have organs and then tissues and at the microscopic level, it's the cell. Inside the cell are the mitochondria, the little powerhouse that generate energy. And yeah. if that cell is working efficiently and properly, there's not going to be a problem. The cell will keep replicating. And if it becomes dysfunctional, it'll it'll kill it off and grow new healthy cells. But unfortunately, when things go awry, again, from whether it's from diet, from toxins, from poor lifestyle, hormonal abnormalities, et cetera, the cell is not getting what it needs. Maybe it's missing micronutrients or exposed to too many toxins or too much sugar and insulin, et cetera. It starts to become dysfunctional. All these little, all that machinery inside that little cell starts to misfire and then something stops working. There's not enough energy production or uh, too many free radicals, which cause, you know, DNA damage. And then, then those things get replicated and slowly the machine gets gunked up. So instead of operating at 90%, 100% capacity, now it's at maybe 60% capacity. So things now start to go a little haywire and that spreads. And that's when inflammation comes in and, it, and it's like a fire. It just slowly spreads to other cells. Then the, all the cells start getting dysfunctional, even if they're not, you know, dead, even if they're only 50%, now all the cells, now all the tissues, now all of a sudden you got a whole organ that's not working properly. And right. of course that affects everything else. So it's a vicious cycle. So, but it all comes down to the cell, treating the cell. And then once things get um, messed up, then it kind of, kind of um, logarithmic growth, it just takes off from there. Yeah. So what are some things that, you know, we talk about nutrition, obviously you talked about a number of things, but some of the mitigation strategies to, you know, reinvigorate, I'll call it the, the cellular function. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a million, <laughs> there's a lot of things. Fortunately, most of it comes down to healthy lifestyle, right? Which is, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy. Um, I think, uh, biggest thing, well, there's multiple, obviously I always start with sleep and stress. I call it my double S, you know, Superman, Spider-Man, right? So, you know, if you're not sleeping, I don't care what else you're doing. You can be on the magic pill and, and things are going to go off. Your, your hormones are going to be off. Your mitochondria, are not what like we talk about, are not going to be firing efficiently. It's going to throw everything out of whack. So sleep is crucial. Stress mitigation is crucial. Obviously, diet, exercise, lifestyle, all those things come into play because, unfortunately, we live in a very toxic world where soil is depleted of nutrients, processed food is everywhere, you know, sugar and chemicals is in the air, it's in our cleaning products, it's in our carpets. You know, we're bombarded with all these xenoestrogens and uh, plastics and all these things that are affecting us on a cellular level, like we talked about, and damaging our DNA, affecting our hormones. So it's a huge uphill battle. So, you know, it really comes down to being as clean as you can. So, you know, solid sleep, solid nutrition, you know, avoiding as much as you can, the plastics, the artificial processed foods, trying to eat clean, organic, whole food as much as you can, you know, regular exercise and stress mitigation, whether it's meditation, mindfulness, all these things. Uh, yes, exercise is key. And then, of course, um, you know, other things, too. Those this are like kind of the foundational principles. But of course, sure. we add to that with, you know, no matter what, I'm, my hormones are still off or maybe the damage is done. We need to fix your hormones or maybe there's a micronutrient deficiency, which is very common. Like we talk about with the toxic environment, all these cells going back to the cell. You know, if you think about back in science, we all learned the Krebs cycle or the, the, the energy cycle that produces energy. Right. And they all need micronutrients, for example 
some of the B vitamins are crucial. B1, B2, B3, um, you know, selenium, you know, we need iron, you know, we need all these different little micronutrients, which magnesium, all these things that oftentimes are depleted. We don't think of that, but if you're just not getting your basic micronutrients or, and minerals, those things can't work. Those are, I mean, that's, that, that comes before things like curcumin and green tea and, you know, the, the cool new tropical fruit of the day, right? You got to get the basics. I mean, we need, and you know, if you look on the charts of these things, it'll, it'll show you the, the exact cofactors and minerals that are needed to run these little cycles inside the cell. Like I said, things, the very basics, you know, vitamin C and magnesium, all the B vitamins, um, et cetera, et cetera. There's a list of those and those are just foundational. So it doesn't have to be that difficult between a whole food diet and maybe some very minimal supplementation. You can give your body what it needs on a, on a cellular level. And then of course you're managing everything else, like with the basic stuff, the sleep, the stress, exercise, um, yeah. those are foundational and, you know, trying to be <laughs> clean as much as we can. And we can, we could, we could talk about this too, in terms of, you know, air, you know, uh, the air we breathe, you know, the water we drink and are exposed to, uh, not, not, you know, food is one, that's a whole category, but then we get into things like air, you know, air quality, you know, pollution, you know, the, all the, unfortunately carpets and our bedding and everything has all these different chemicals in them. Right. Um, that's what, yeah, that can be a whole nother discussion. On that's a whole nother discussion. You know, the water we drink, you know, is it, is it, you know, what's, what's in there? Is there fluoride? Is there, are there other heavy metals? Not just what you're drinking You say, well, I've got a filter. Okay. But what about your shower? Do you have a filter on your shower? Yeah. Most people don't. And then they're, they're breathing that in or getting it in their mouth and that every single day of the year that, that adds up. Yeah. And your skin is your largest, largest organ. And you yeah. spend in a few minutes in a shower with some water that's heavy and whatever. Yeah. Uh, it it actually is going to influence you significantly. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, dirty electricity, right? Wi-Fi, you know, turn off your Wi-Fi at night, you know, try to minimize your exposure to, to you know, to Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. People walk around with the little beats or the, uh, little earbuds in the air, they're bombarding their, their brain with that, with that Bluetooth technology. That's not good either. Just, just little things like that. And it all, you know, eating, eating out of glass and storing things in glass and metal instead of plastics. I mean, just little things that all those things add up, you know, yeah. little things that you can do. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of relates to the thing I, I jokingly say is pennies add up to dollars, right? Right. Um, yeah. And it's the compounding interest principle that um, happens both po- positively and negatively. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So are you familiar? So we were talking about kind of blood flow around ED prostate health. Um, are you familiar with like PMF tools, um, electromagnetic pulsing? Yeah, I'm familiar with it. I've not personally used them. We, yeah. in our clinic, we treat a lot of patients with or a lot of men with erectile dysfunction. Now we, we use a lot of shockwave therapy, which is, you know, things like it's called the gains wave device. Of course, there's been several knockoffs since then. Um, but it's kind of like the Cadillac of them. It, it uses intense pulse sound waves to treat, uh, basically break up the plaque. We talk about the arteries, they can get hardened or full of plaque or get some scar tissue. And it, it literally breaks that up and, and, and opens the tubing, breaks up those little plaques and uh, scar tissue and also stimulates the, the body to get what's called angiogenesis, which, mean, which means growing new little blood vessels. Okay. It's all about the blood flow, right? Yeah. Um, so between the, like the gains wave technology and things like... Um, PRP therapies, we call it the P-shot. And it's been around for a while. We're actually taking your own, your body's own stem cells or actually growth factors and, and uh, exosomes and peptides inside these little platelets inside these little growth factors in your blood. And you're literally injecting it into the penis. And again, it's stimulating new blood vessels, new tissue growth, and it's healing. Uh, I can talk about PRP more if you want, but those are the two things that, you know, I found most successful in our practice for treating ED directly, uh, directly treating, treating the cause. In other words, reversing that plaque and, and getting better blood flow because yeah. it's like, you know, you can pop a pill and do these things. You're just covering it up. 
that these things are actually treating the source. So PEMF probably, you know, it's a whole different technology, but I, I've, I've been reading and hearing a little bit more about it of late. And there's some, some devices out there that can be used locally on the arms and legs. There's whole body PEMF, all kinds of cool, little, cool little things. Yeah. There's a couple of brands I'm familiar with. Um, one in particular is the Beamer where it's like an at-home device and yeah. you can do different ones. And um, yeah, we recently got one actually and just started using it. So I don't, I don't know if I've noticed anything yet per se, but, um, okay. but yeah, I was just curious just knowing that it's a microcirculation device, you know, that's the intent is that aid in the um, blood flow and the capacity. So for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's one called the flex pulse that I, I was at a conference a couple weekends ago um, with some colleagues of mine. And I think the flex pulse is one that was talked about. Um, you've got these, these things like the chargers you heard about like the human chargers and like the things that use light technology and different things uh, for brain health and things, but yeah, all kinds of cool stuff. But yeah, that was the one they talked about like an at-home device you could use for the, the PEMF, which it looks like from what I've seen, it has a lot of benefits and not much downside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the kind of, the, well, we just touched on it, but fixes or mitigations to, to support um, support it aside from, you know, enhancing your, your nutritional intake. Yeah, for sure. So, um, in terms of ED, um, obviously as with everything, prevention is the best strategy, right? So, um, like you mentioned, brain optimizing your blood flow, make sure you have good circulation, you have good tissue health, cellular health. Like we were talking about, you know, keep that blood flow up. You know, obviously if you're doing bad things like smoking or, you know, eating crappy food, man, you got to fix that. Stop smoking, eat clean, exercise, you know, get the blood flow. You got to get things moving, you know, you know, movements, functional movement, not just hitting the gym is, is, is vitally important. Um, and like we talked about, you know, reducing inflammation is key, reducing that inflammation and providing, giving our body what it needs from a nutrient perspective, uh, good oxygen, good nutrients, micronutrients, hormones, and not and keeping away the bad stuff, all the toxins and, and the inflammation, right? So like we talked about, if you're eating, you know, not exercising, you're eating processed foods, you're staying up all night, you're stressed to the max, even if you feel that eh, I'm okay, I can power through it. Well, you're not, you're, you're damaging, you're causing inflammation, you know, you're, whether it's your adrenal glands or just overall stress, or you're getting some insulin resistance, you're slowly getting it. And then you're, you're getting some, you're getting inflamed somewhere. And that's over time that adds up and all of a sudden it's like, boom, now something shows up, but you got to catch it early. So it's about reducing that inflammation, optimizing your blood flow, giving your body what it needs and taking away what it doesn't need. So um, with ED, it, that's about it. You know, so exercise, nutrition, blood flow, movements, um, micronutrients. And then of course, of course, you know, again, most of my guys are, you know, late thirties, forties and up. So of course, yeah, we, they always, there's always some hormonal issues. Unfortunately, men's testosterone is dropping and I'm seeing even younger and younger guys coming in with it because of all the factors we talked about. You know, I'm seeing guys twenties, thirties and forties with, with testosterone levels that of guys in that normally I'd see in their seventies and eighties, it's, it's, it's bad. So yeah that has to be corrected too. You know, it's, it's a multi-pronged approach. And then of course we get into the things I mentioned, the gains wave, uh, P shots and things like that to, to directly treat. And oftentimes I'll, I'll do everything. If somebody's pretty severe, we'll, we'll do it all, you know, get them on a nutrition plan. We'll give them, we'll correct their hormones. We'll do these interventions like uh, directly to, to get the blood flow going. Sometimes it's a full court press. Yeah. Now we are talking about ED, but does, does utilization, uh, influence, you know, the functionality? <laughs> you either lose it, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're to lose it. Use it or lose it. You know, <laughs> a lot of that, you know, so we'll give our guys and we'll give them a, a pump. We'll give them a penis pump. If we give them the P shot or the gains wave and say, you need a pump, you know, I want you to pump twice a day, uh, for at least six to eight weeks. And, you know, 
a lot of guys will use it indefinitely. Um, yeah. You don't need it. If you can get your own erection, great. But for those guys that can't, a lot of studies have shown it does increase the blood flow down there. It's you're getting the blood, you're getting fresh oxygenated uh, blood into the tissue. You're getting the bad blood out and it's circulating. That's what it's all. If it's just kind of sitting there, stagnant blood, it's not doing much. Right. So you want to get the fresh blood in there, um, stimulate the nitric oxide, which stimulates more dilation of the blood vessels to get even more oxygen in there. So just like breathing, right. You want to make sure, you know, most people don't breathe properly, right. That's a whole other yeah. conversation, but you know, belly breathing, getting oxygenating your, your brain and your body. Most people are, are not doing that. They think they are, but they're not. And when you start breathing properly, you do notice a little bit of a difference. So breathing properly movements, you know, getting that blood flow. And yeah, if we have to use a pump, use a pump. Yeah. And so I tell my guys, you once you're able to have sex, you know, have it as many times you want, you know, some guys will, or if they're singing, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but you know, get the blood flow going, you know? So. Right. Yeah, no. And you mentioned nitric oxide oxide and, you know, it's and breathing. And that's an area that I've been discovering over the last, you know, probably year and uh, nasal only breathing enhances the level of nitric oxide in your body. And so there's definitely, you know, the breathing mechanics and breathing exercises, uh, I would presume can aid or be an aid contributing factor in supporting that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I've been trying to do that as well. It, it's hard to do it all day. I try to do it during that. I even try to do it during my work. I was just, I, I still oftentimes exhale with my mouth open because I'm I'm breathing so hard, but I try to breathe in through your nose. Cause like you said, when you breathe in through your mouth, there's no nitric oxide, nitric oxide through your nose, for whatever reason, the, the, the sensors and the, the, the tissue in there creates nitric oxide when it's exposed to oxygen. So breathing in your nose, you're going to generate more nitric oxide, which is going to dilate your blood vessels everywhere. Obviously it'll help with your workouts, help with erections and everything else. So yeah, belly breathing and nasal breathing is great. Um, yeah, I, I too have recently been learning a lot about uh, breathing techniques, things like box breathing and uh, four, five, seven breathing. Of course, Wim Hof, you know, everybody knows about Wim Hof breathing too. If yeah. you've never tried that, that's, it, that is a wild feeling because you actually do get more oxygen in the tissue and, and not to get geeky, but when you're, when your carbon dioxide level goes high from holding your breath, your body senses that and it, it actually makes the, the blood or the oxygen in your blood more likely to release itself to the tissue. So you can oxygenate your tissues better by having elevated CO2 levels. So it's, that's kind of the premise. You take deep breaths for 20, 30 times and you exhale and you hold it as long as you possibly can. And then you slowly breathe and you repeat that. You do, you feel like you feel the tingling and you feel, you yeah. feel it. And then, yeah. So, yeah. So getting some deep breaths, even if you're just, like you said, just nasal breathing all day long, breathing from your belly, that makes it, that can make a big difference. Yeah. I've been, um, uh, the group I've been following is Brian McKenzie. Uh, it's now shift adapt is, okay. the, uh, the group, but he comes back from the CrossFit background. Anyway, he's been doing a lot of work on breath work and with some uh, foundations. Um, awesome. Another one is Patrick McEwen. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'll have to share some notes offline then you have to uh, read a little bit more about that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what other things are maybe interrelated or interdependent on this aspect of men's health? Um, are there other components that we haven't touched on yet that, that might influence or, or support? Um, well, that's, you know, one. And then you know, of course we talked about the prostate and as you mentioned, they're on the same area and it is same thing. All the, everything we talked about will help, of course help the prostate too. Unfortunately, a lot of guys do get uh, prostate enlargement over time, no matter what, even doing all these healthy things. And that's just, uh, just something that's going to happen, but that can be handled 
usually not a terrible issue. Um, but again, it's something you know to be to be monitored for for sure. So all my guys, I'm always getting PSAs on them and uh, checking those things. We're doing physical exams on them regularly to to screen for that as well. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, as we talked about with, with the metabolism and everything else, anything that can get them in the door gives me a chance to address all these issues because, you know, again, men don't tend to want to talk about that very much or, oh, no, my blood pressure is fine or my diet's okay. Oh, yeah, what'd you eat today? You know, let's, let's, you know, look at your blood sugar. Let's look at your cholesterol, your, all your cholesterol markers. And we, oh, you're not eating so good after all, right? Kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, you know, and of course, you know, obviously I, I'm all about hormonal fitness, so I, I'm big on the hormones, but I, I look at it from a bigger picture, I mean, like I said, I, I always look at the nutrition, the fitness and the nutrients, but of course I address the hormones because that's a, a crucial piece, especially in the demographic that I'm treating. And it's not just about testosterone, right? So we, we, we're looking at insulin, cortisol, you know, estrogen in men is very important. Um, thyroid, you know, uh, we could talk about thyroid too. That's um, adrenal health. Those are all things that sometimes yeah. get glossed, sometimes get glossed over. Yeah. So maybe pull on that thread is the thyroid a little bit because, um, the adrenal piece is definitely a key factor around energy and vitality. Oh, for sure. The thyroid and adrenals, they work together. And sometimes it can be hard to distinguish what's the problem. Is it the adrenals or the thyroid or is it both? Because um, they do kind of play in the sandbox together, so to speak, and they affect each other. Uh, if your adrenal health is off, that affects everything in your body. And I think there's more awareness of that. There's a lot of, you know, people talking and, you know, blogs and et cetera, people talk about adrenal health and what they call adrenal fatigue, even though it's not technically a medical diagnosis, but the syndrome, the symptoms are real for sure. Uh, thyroid again, too. I did a, a couple of videos recently. I think I posted them on Instagram and I'm kind of like things that have gotten been forgotten through the years, it, you know, history is, I, I, you know, I'm kind of a, I like history stuff too. And I've been going back and reading a lot of older medical texts from, from years gone by, even as late as the 1800s, because back then they didn't have all these fancy CAT scans and lab tests. They had to follow patients along for years and years and treat them based on their symptoms, which is what I try to do is treat a patient, treat the patient, not the, not the lab work. Right. Cause if you have all the symptoms of thyroid and all your lab work is quote unquote normal. I don't care. You've got some thyroid issues. Um, and that's a big thing. So a lot of these greats of the past, you know, Dr. Osler, you know, Dr. Broder Barnes, uh, all these doctors, and that's what they did. And if you go back and read all their, their case studies, it's fascinating. Everybody thinks of thyroid as, oh, I'm, uh, I've got dry skin and I'm, I'm tired and I'm gaining weight. Well, yeah, but there's more to it. You know, migraines, you know, people have frequent sinus infections or frequent allergies, menstrual irregularities, um, you know, changes in how, how tall they are, you know, their weight, you know, um, so there's, there's a huge laundry list of things. And you read through, you're like, wow, of course, thyroid affects everything in your whole body. It, it manages the metabolism everywhere. Yeah. So people, you know, you know, you start, you start picking up on these things. If you really start fine tuning and someone's got some, their nails are kind of ridged, you know, their face is kind of puffy. They're, they're losing some hair on the outside of their eyebrows. They're gaining some weight. You know, they're having headaches all the time. They get sick every year. How many people do you know that every year they get two or three colds and bronchitis, allergies, rashes, eczema, um, you know, ADHD, you know, uh, migraine headaches. Uh, how many women do you, do you see who have your crazy menstrual cycles? They're out of whack. Yeah. A lot of it very well could be thyroid. And it's some, most people don't think about the thyroid, but you know, again, if you look back at history and you read all these, these medical journals of cases where they followed these thousands of patients, they treated successful with either adrenal help or thyroid help. It's fascinating. And it's, it's kind of like the lost art of medicine. I think so nowadays, a lot of traditional practitioners, you know, and I was there, we, you don't have time to look at all these things. And we're really look, Oh, let's just look at your labs. Oh, labs are normal. You feel okay. Okay. Here's, here's a prescription for this. Well, there's more to it. And that's why I do what I do. 
I don't do the traditional model anymore because I could sit with my patient for you know, like an hour or more and, and really dig deep on all these things. Um, so thyroid is one that's, I think, sometimes glossed over. Same with adrenal health. I think so many people, like we talked about earlier, are stressed. They're not sleeping. They're burning the candle at both ends and their adrenals are, they're, they're, they're kind of pitching a fit. Right. And that, and then that, you know, why is my, my, uh, my female male hormones off? Why am I gaining weight? Well, maybe it's not because of low T, maybe it's your T's down because, because your thyroid's down, your growth hormone's down, everything's down because your adrenals are messed up and let's fix that. And then once we fix that, bam, you know, there we go. You know, it's kind of like when I see people that are just working out, working out, working out and dieting, dieting, dieting. And I, and I tell them, take a week off and I want you to eat more, but I'm gaining weight. I want you to eat more. And then three weeks later, they come in like, holy shit, I lost, you know, 10 pounds. I shed all this weight. I mean, I feel so much better. Yeah. You gave your body what it needed, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's this different way of thinking. So, um, yeah, so those two are huge, uh, for sure. Uh, and I, like I said, kind of often forgotten about. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems, I think I had a conversation with another guest around, um, the, kind of the in- counterintuitive nature to health at times when it comes to food, because we've been inundated with a particular prescription of nutrition and diet and completely hijacked the term diet, which is really at the end of the day, your lifestyle, right. Um, around what to expect, but like, sometimes you need to eat more to lose, to get the system working more effectively. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, your, your body, you're just, you're taking away and your body's just getting that, that metabolic compensation it's slowing down there. That's why their thyroid's low because it's slowing down and your body perceives it as a threat. So it's trying to, it's trying to save itself. So our bodies are very, very smart, smarter than, <laughs> smarter than we are is if that makes sense, but they're going to try to preserve itself and, and, and save the necessary functions and forego everything else. So sometimes you have to step to listen and get tuned to your body. I think that's the hardest part I think is learning to listen to your body. Um, you know, if you're tired, you know, don't, don't hit the gym if, as hard as you thought you were going to, or if you were going to fast, but you're just tired and got a headache and your, your belly's growing, well, maybe you shouldn't fast, listen to your stomach. You know what I mean? So, um, we, you know, when you're full, try to stop when you're maybe 80% full and don't go all the way listen. And am I really hungry or am I just thirsty or am I just bored? You yeah. know, it takes time it takes, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still learning that after decades of, of being attuned to my body picking up little subtle clues and that that's probably the hardest thing. But if you can get that and even, I don't want to say master, but get a handle on it, that goes leaps and bounds in terms of taking you to the next level. So if you can listen to your body and all its signals, um, you'll do the right thing. And then you're going to go down the right path instead of down the wrong path. Yeah. I think there's two key takeaways on that is one um, patience in, in the whole process um, as much we've gotten used to the the quick fix or the, yeah. Continuous recovery. Um, and then, yeah, just like you said, listening to yourself, uh, and just acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. It, and you're right. It's a, it's a long game and it takes time. Um, but it's just like, you know, you want to, you know, put on, you know, 10 pounds of muscle or you want to drop 20 pounds, you know, you can do it, but it's, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, you know, take your time and slowly get there. Don't try to hijack it and, you know, crush it, you know, in the first month, cause then it's yeah. just, just going to backfire. Well, on a personal note, I mean, a little different take on it too is creating margin in your life. Um, I think we've also jam packed our schedules so much and the advancement of technology has helped in many ways, but it helps us also do like 12 things where it used to be like four. For Um, sure. For sure. Yeah. I think it's um, yeah, that's a great point. And I think it's something about, you just have to take a step back and kind of prioritize things and kind of structure your day, you know, like, 
think of your ideal day and, and try to structure as close to that as possible and back those things into it. You know, like, you know, I try every night to, you know, an hour before bed, kill the electronics. I got my blue blockers on. I try just to chill, maybe read a book, you know, whatever. I try to make that my reading chill time. And no matter what, I'm not going to do work. I'm not going to get on the computer, whatever. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to take my cold shower. I'm going to go downstairs and, you know, that, 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 whatever, you know, write down my goals, you know, whatever that is, you know, get in, in just like anything habit. It takes practice, but once you do it 20, 30 times, now it's your, it's your new good habit. And I think if you, like you said, if you set those boundaries up, yeah, I'm going, going, going all day, but boom, eight o'clock, I'm, you know, with my wife or my, my husband or seven o'clock, I'm with the kids, eight o'clock with my spouse, nine o'clock, I go to bed, you know, whatever that is, just set those rules and, and just stick to it. And then, uh, cause otherwise, like you said, distractions are everywhere. It's like, Oh, it's on my phone or, Oh, it's on the TV or who's that, you know, whatever distractions are everywhere. So you got to learn to tune that off. Yeah. Cause that's a contributing factor to that adrenal aspect of the constant, you know, bombardment on our, um, for sure system, our parasympathetic and sympathetic system. So, Definitely. Um, so try and kind of tie up what are kind of three key takeaways for guys out there listening um, to step forward in, in their health around prostate and ED? I think that, uh, one of the biggest things is just kind of like we just talked about, listen to your body, swallow your pride and, and, pay attention, you know, listen to what your friends and family are telling you, listen to what your body's telling you and really kind of look at yourself from the third person as much as you can. You know, I mean, we've all done it, right? You're like, I'm tired. Like, Oh, screw it. I'm going to work out anyway. Or oh, what's that na- kind of nagging ache? Ah, whatever. It'll be all right. It's going to go away, you know, but, but it's still there, you know, okay. Maybe it's time to pay attention to that. Or your wife's always like, honey, you know, you're always saying that, you know, you're kind of sore, you know, your, your, your lower back is sore or, you know, whatever, you know, just, okay, maybe I should take care of that. You know, instead of just blowing it off, listen, you know, like, you know, like we say two years, two years, one mouth, right. We should listen twice as much as we speak. So <laughs> listen, to your, listen to your spouse, listen to your body, swallow the pride, you know, and just, and just pay attention take care of yourself. You know what you got to do. But uh, again, most guys are just kind of like, just trying to, trying to steamroll through it and be the, be the big burly guy and power through it. But sometimes that's not the best answer. Right. Yeah. And it, it seems like too, one other thing would be, you know, finding the right doctor. Um, you talked about your practice. I think your practice is pretty unique on how you address the, the, you know, the, the client or the patient and really digging in. How do you, well, aside from contacting you, um, how, how would somebody go through evaluating, you know, the right doctor if they've gone to their general practitioner historically? And it seems like yeah. Blown off. Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing is if you're not getting your questions answered, if something's still not right and you say, okay, I went to my doctor and he said, everything's normal. Well, I still am tired. I'm gaining weight. Um, I'm craving salt. You know, I'm sleep. I can't sleep through the night, you know, whatever that may be. Um, you know, my, my, my belly's getting thicker, you know, I'm still putting on weight. Well, and if he didn't answer that, didn't give you some actionable things that you can do, well, maybe you should ask around. And so you, okay, well, where do I go? Well, you know, is it a functional medicine or a homeopathic doctor? Is it a, a hormone specialist like myself? Um, whatever that may be, we can all do different things, but the easiest thing is try to do with one person, someone who could do everything. Right. So, um, and I'm not saying my way is the right way, but cause I know a lot of other people who are, who are not, you know, maybe they're uh, just a, a functional practitioner, or a naturopathic doctor, and they're very good at what they do or a nurse practitioner. Um, but sometimes you need someone who has delved deep into that stuff and actually, you know, walks the walk and talks the talk and has done the training and the certification, not just someone who just, 
he's online and Instagram and says, you, you know, and they're just, oh, well, I, I read all these studies, right? And I just, I, I interviewed all these people, therefore I'm an expert. I mean, I know a lot of non-medical people, you know, giving advice all the time, kind of medical advice when they really shouldn't be because they think it's simple. If you just, you know, read a bunch of books and read a bunch of studies, you know what to do. But the, like we were talking about earlier, the art of medicine, it's way deeper than that. You know, right. the stewardess doesn't go up and fly the plane, right? She Could she? Maybe. But there's probably a lot more she thinks she knows, but she doesn't. There's layers and layers deeper. I mean, I'm still learning things every day that I, I'm realizing that I didn't know. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot more to us. You want someone who has done the training, has done the certification, who actually knows a little bit, you know, knows all the layers of the unended peel back. So like we talked about, you know, lifestyle, nutrition, fitness, hormones, um, cellular health, um, genomics, gut health, um, toxicities, um, you know, exposures, all these different, and that's a lot, you know, it's, it's hard and you may not find someone who has a handle on everything, but maybe they have a handle on, th- you know, five out of the six things or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, ask them how many patients do you treat with X, Y, Z? For example, I was asked earlier about, you know, do you take care of women with PCOS? Yeah. Every week. It's a very common thing, you know, but a lot of people don't. Um, some people just do, you know, women or just do men or just do certain niches. And yeah, most of mine, I'd say probably I have a lot of men. I have a, a, a big population of men, but I treat a lot of women too. So um, they're both big groups. So again, you want someone who, who's got that experience and has trained and been certified and, you know, taken the courses and done the training and all these things. And actually, you know, you know, and that's one of the first questions is, you know, how many patients do you treat with my condition? How many patients do you treat with, you know, whatever it is they're going on? How often do you see this? You know, what kind of, you know, what have you done to learn about this? You know, ask those kinds of questions. And if it's kind of like, well, I just, you know, if they can't answer that, then maybe they're not. So, um, but it, you know, again, you can find someone who, if, you know, if they cover most of it, that's a good place to start. You can always fill it in with, a, with someone else. For example, you need to see someone who's an expert in mold, for example, you know, I'm not a mold expert. I know enough about to get the ball rolling, but I'm not a mold expert. Someone has a really bad mold thing. I'm going to probably send them to one of my colleagues who is a mold expert or whatever that may be. You know what I mean? But those are the things that aren't terribly as well, they're common, but not as common. Most of my people are the very common things. They're, they're metabolically challenged or having issues, whether it's hormonal or, you know, lifestyle related or whatever that may be. So those are, I guess, some of the, probably the, the bigger questions, you know, and, and like we talked about, the other big one is that you want someone who's going to listen to you and treat the person. You don't want someone just going to read things off a lab. Nope. Labs are normal. You're good. You're out. No, there's more to it than that. Um, I, I want someone who's going to listen to me and if they're not finding answers, dig a little deeper. Okay. Everything seems to be normal here. You don't, the lab's okay, but you're still having symptoms. So let's, let's, let's dig a little deeper. Let's do some additional testing or we're going to try this therapeutic strategy and see if it works. Someone's going to take it to the next level, not just say, well, I don't know what to tell you. And if they don't, that's fine. You know, I, I'll be the first to admit if I don't know something, I'll tell them I don't know it, but you at least know what to do next. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, I guess that's why they call it practicing medicine, right? We're <laughs> right. learning yeah. about new things, right? Well, even now things are bubbling up that we thought the last 30 years were, you know, the best science at the time or what the best food or oh, yeah. replacements to, I think we even touched on it last time around like, fake butters like margarine was right. That was going to help your cholesterol. That was right. probably the worst thing you could eat. <laughs> yeah. I lived through that time. It was all low fat, low fat, low fat. And now we've learned that that was the totally wrong direction. Yeah. You know, I think right now the big thing is the gut, right? The microbiome. And I think, you know, there's tons of tons of stuff out there, but you know, even myself and all the colleagues who are in this field, they've told me the same thing. Like we're just beginning to learn we're in 10 years from now, everything we're going to be like blown away by what we know. And, looking back now at 2020, we're like, what the hell were you guys doing? Doing X, Y, Z, you know? So yeah. 
there's always more to it, you know, for sure. But yeah. that's, the, I think, just always be learning. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm probably reading like, right now I'm reading like three different books. I'm doing two online, two or three different online courses that I'm in conferences. I'm still, still rewatching. It's just, it's just, there's, there's almost too much out there. So yeah, yeah don't, don't listen, you know, again, there's a lot of good people, you know, on social media who are not uh, clinicians, but you know, they have some good things, but when it comes to medical advice, don't take, don't play around. You want someone who, who, who's a, who's a clinician. They know what the heck they're doing and, and take care of your body and invest the time and, and do it right. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for, for this conversation, Eric. Um, I think it's really helpful for, for me personally, and I'm sure the men or women out there listening to, to really have a better handle on, um, you know, the prostate and ED. And it's just something that's serious, needs to be taken care of and can have, you know, corollary effects to other things that are equally uh, concerning, uh, as you talked about. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the one thing we didn't even touch on is the whole, um, you know, we're talking about lifestyle, right? Well, it, you know, psychosocial and emotional and psychological factors come into play too. And that might be causing the problem, but it can also cause other problems. You know, if I, if I have women that they just don't want to have sex because their, their vaginal tissue is too dry and it's too painful. That can cause some problems. Same with the men. They're having problems with erections and they, they can't have that emotional connection. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sex isn't everything, but it's important. And sometimes it's just that intimacy and that feeling of confidence and, and togetherness. And that can cause, I've seen it. I've had patients come in. They tell me like, I'm about ready to go splitsville here until we fix this. So it's, it's you know, it's an emotional thing. It's a psycho, a psychosocial thing too. And That's a great I'm, point. Uh, because it, you know, I mean, it, it, it connects to our identity as men and women. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So, Think about it. If you're, if you're a guy and you're having problems, then that affects your confidence, right? And it's not just in the bedroom. You're going to be probably less confident in the gym, in the, in the business room, uh, whatever it is you do for work, it's going to affect every area of your life. Yeah. You know, my, my mantra is, you know, live to give. I want my patients to, to feel better, not just maybe losing weight or having better erections or, or lifting that brain. I want them to feel better everywhere. So now that they're feeling better, they're going to do everything better. They're going to be a better husband or, or wife. They're going to be a better uh, partner. They're going to be a better businessman or whatever it is that they do. They're going to be a better, you know, uh, husband or your father or mother to their children. And then they're going to make that person feel good. And then they're going to feel good and they're going to spread it forward. So pass it forward. Right. So that's kind of my, my huge mission. I want everybody to feel good and live to give and then and pass it forward. So it's about enhancing every, every aspect of their life and making them feel better, making them feel confident, living better, living stronger, and then hopefully passing that little wave of happiness uh, onto someone else. Well, I, I, uh, I am behind you a hundred percent. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and it's the basis of, my position as a non-professional, but just really learning through my own experience around the things that you advocate, you support um, in the medical field and, and just living a, a healthy lifestyle. Uh, it's important. Oh, it is. Yeah, no. And you've, you know, your podcast is great. I've listened to it and your show and some of the things we were talking about earlier, things that you've delved into. It's, it's awesome. And I, I, I applaud you for what you're doing, getting the message out to people and, and, and promoting all the things that you talk about and everything that we talk about, because it's important and people need to hear from different fronts and different angles, not just from the doctor, but from other people too. And it's kind of like one of those things like, man, everybody's talking about, you know, whatever, and maybe I should listen. Yeah. Yeah. Listen up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and don't, don't sit back and accept mediocrity. You know, I mean, we have one of these, one of these lives and, For sure. uh, yeah, there's going to be moments of downtime or sickness or what have you, but it doesn't have to be a systemic thing. I love it. Yeah. Well said. I agree completely. Well, um, Eric, I asked these questions last time you said you're, um, 
reading a ton of stuff, but what are you reading right now? <laughs> uh, right now I'm finishing up, um, I finished an old book on cortisol, safe uses of cortisol, the and the uh, a whole book about iodine by Dr. Brownstein, kind of a forgotten uh, nutrient that's been used for hundreds of years with great success. And, and I can't remember, I'm blank at the Clinical Atlas of Endocrinology. I haven't opened it yet. It's an old book from like, I can't remember now, the early 20th century, but pictures and, and some uh, studies that you just don't see in medical textbooks anymore. So again, I'm learning from the past. Um, and then I've got some newer books too, like um, a couple of the ones you got behind you there. I got to read uh, one of those. I won. I won at a, a little contest we did at a conference. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, uh, and then I'm also rereading um, uh, the 10 X Rule by Grant Cardone. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've, read, I've read that a couple times already, but it's at, at night I try to do some of my uh, motivational type books. So it's always a good refresher, you know, to kind of push me push me forward a little bit. So cool. All right. So what are you listening to right now? Um, I listen to a whole bunch of different podcasts and, um, you know, medical business, real estate, uh, fitness, nutrition, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, I'm always listening to podcasts, but I also get a lot of books on tape. Uh, I'm re I'm re-listening to, I think I've listened to it three times right now. The 48 laws of power. Have you ever heard that one? Yes. I'm actually just about starting to go through that now with a mastermind group. I'm part of, um, actually what we were talking about before Ryan Mickler's group. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're covering that book. It's an awesome book. I've got both books in it and I've listened to the audiobook. book. Um, the second one is 48 Laws of War. Uh, that one's really good too. Um, but man, you know, obviously there's some, there's some great lessons there and, you know, take it for what it's worth. Obviously you could be spun you know, in, into a nefarious kind of pathway if you want, but I think it's more for recognizing when people are trying to manipulate you and yep. learning how to take control of your life. Kind of like similar to like the 10 X roll, right? To control your life, control everything. Don't let people control you. Yep. And so I think, yeah, it's a great, great read. Yeah. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. Awesome. Uh, okay. Last one. What is your restroom recovery pod, uh, restroom recovery podcast, restroom recovery method right now? <laughs> um, one thing I've been, I've been getting back into again, um, about a month ago, I started taking, uh, doing a cold shower every morning. Okay. So I get up, I do some, some breathing exercise, like we were talking about. Um, get the blood flowing a couple things and then I'll jump in the cold shower for maybe just a couple minutes and then I'll get on with my day. Um, and then later in the day, what I try, cause I typically work out in the morning. Um, and then at the evening time is when my kind of chill time, what I've been trying to haven't done. I was, I didn't do it uh, tonight yet, but last week I finally, I, I was doing it intermittently, but I was trying to do some infrared sauna, um, mm-hmm. try to do at least four or five times a week in the evening. Um, yeah for recovery and also to promote sleep. I came across uh, someone who told me that oftentimes a, you know, the sauna a few hours before bed can help promote sleep. And I've been, I've been working on my, cause my sleep has been a little chaotic of late too. So uh, I've been trying to do different things and you know, tracking with the aura ring and all these different things. So uh, trying to do you know, cold in the morning, heat in the evening. And sometimes I'll even end the, the sauna, I'll jump in a shower and I'll, I'll do just maybe 10 seconds of cold and helps me sleep. So um, those are probably the biggest ones I'm doing right now. I am actually seeing, um, a colleague of mine who's a chiropractor and getting some adjustments and some minor things like that. That's something I don't always do, but periodically I'll do that. Um, but I'd say the biggest ones are the breathing, cold shower and the sauna. Okay, cool. Yeah. I would love to be able to get, do you have your own sauna? I did. I bit the bullet a few years ago and bought one. It was a, it's a small one, but it's, it's perfect for what I need. So. Yeah. I, that's one thing that I think I would like, uh, and would use. I think it'd be worth, yeah, it's definitely worth getting. Um, it's right up your alley, man. You got to get one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric, uh, always a pleasure 
to chat and uh, sure. appreciate the time. Absolutely. Yeah, we can, uh, we'll do it again. Happy to talk about there. Is there anything you or your listeners uh, want me to, to, to touch on? I'd be happy to discuss it. Great. All right, sir. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. One thing that I'm learning with reclaiming my own health is you can't really know how to fix it without measuring and understanding yourself and the results. And so a tool I've been using lately is BioStrap. It's something that has really helped me to understand myself a little better in the science and the numbers, and then being able to share with my metal practitioner uh, some of that baseline information BioStrap uses and has created their device to be in par with medical grade devices. And so it's critically important to measure accurately the metrics that are measured for our health. And so I would really encourage you to take a look at BioStrap. If you're looking at any kind of wearables, this is the one to look at. They have uh, the Evo, which is the new device. It also has the armband strap for active uh, or activities. And then also it has a shoe pod. So it does a great job of measuring a ton of information and especially what is the holy grail right now around heart rate variability as well as other things and some some detailed reports that they can provide. So I would encourage you to check out uh, the link in the episode notes here. And also you can use RR Podcast as a discount code. There's a 10% discount for those listening and choose based on listening to the Rest and Recovery Podcast. So thank you so much. Be rest to be well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Dr. Eric. Tons of information covered on men's health, prostate and erectile dysfunction, and being able to open up conversations uh, that are important to have uh, that have been kind of hidden or in the dark for too long uh, and are preventive uh, in helping the advancement of men's health. So if you know of somebody that can benefit from this conversation, please share it. Also, uh, would be grateful for any rate and reviews. Five-star ratings would be preferred, but please be honest. And what this does is help scale or grow the podcast in the uh, different channels on iTunes to get it more known to folks. We want to get the word out on the important topics of wellness, being able to rest and recover well, to live this one life well. So thank you. Remember, be rested, be well.